Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to the 20th and Blake Street Podcast. As always, presented to you by Mile High Sports. I'm your host, Cade Walker. Uh, today, I wanted to discuss a few things that have happened for the Rockies over the past couple of uh, a couple of days, a couple of games, this series against the Mariners, uh, most prominently. And then after that, I want to discuss a few questions that were sent in uh, by Twitter followers. So I have three questions to answer for you today. Um, but before I get to that, I want to discuss the outing that uh, rookie Ryan Castellini made yesterday against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, this was a, a good pitching game all around. The Rockies used four pitchers between Castellini, Jeff Hoffman, Yancy Almonte, and Philip Deal to throw a combined one-hitter. Uh, so Castellini made his Major League debut, and he... He threw a quote-unquote no-hitter. So through four innings, he was uh, he allowed no hits. And in the fifth inning, uh, before he got any outs, before he recorded any outs, he uh, walked a couple batters, so they pulled him for Jeff Hoffman. But before that, he looked really sharp. Um, and he may be able to fill in as the fifth starter. Um, Chichi Gonzalez was uh, pitched the fifth the fifth spot the last time around in the rotation, but he wasn't wasn't overwhelmed uh, with his performance. But Castellini looks like he's really good. Um, he is the number fifteen prospect in the Rocky system. It was a second round draft pick in two thousand and fourteen. He had bone chips in his elbow during his time in the minor leagues that were eventually removed, um, and then after this, he reworked his delivery. Clearly, it's paid off. Uh, his movement and location is excellent. I think it can play at the major league level. His velocity isn't really that overwhelming again. It's not that uh, overpowering. He's probably sitting about 93, 94 consistently, uh, but it's playable, and he has the stuff to make it work. I think it's definitely exciting uh, if he can become a reliable fifth starter after Antonio Senzatella. Uh, if we can lock in a rotation of Herman Marquez, John Gray, Kyle Freeland, Antonio Senzatella, Senzatella, who has been excellent, by the way, and then Castellina to fill out that fifth spot in the rotation, I think the Rockies uh, would be in a great place for the rest of the season um, and keep up this really hot and unexpected start. Now, uh, after this, I did note that during one of the games this week, during I believe it was a uh, it was either a two or three run ball game, the ninth inning, Buddy Black threw out Yancy Almonte as the closer. Uh, ironically, that's something that I discussed on the last episode of this podcast uh, that I recorded, is that Yancy I think had at that point uh, the numbers and the indicators to suggest that he was probably the best option to close ball games for the Colorado Rockies. 
and I think uh, I hold by that so far. Uh, I think he he's looked excellent. That was a five out save, I believe. So he he pitched a little bit in the eighth and and also rolled out into the ninth inning. So he's been excellent this year. I've discussed it before, obviously. Um, he still hasn't walked anybody this season, which is in, which is excellent. It's really good. It's a great indicator moving forward, um, especially with with Yenti Almonte, who has the stuff, who has major league stuff, undoubtedly, but has had command issues, and that's why I think, uh, at least in my opinion, why he's struggled to stick at the major league level in years past. But I don't think that's going to be a problem for him anymore. He's been... Uh, he's been very effective so far in this season, and he's been, in fact, probably just one of the best relief pitchers in baseball, just just purely based off of the numbers. Now, uh, in addition to this, I, I discussed the starting rotation, and someone that I think has looked really, really excellent, um, and someone that I wrote about this week in uh, my article about the most about the players who have overperformed the most so far this season for the Rockies is our third pitcher in the rotation, Kyle Freeland, homegrown kid. Uh, I think he has returned, essentially, to to prime form for himself. Uh, I talked about him last week as well, or last uh, episode as well, uh, but something that I, I wanted to mention and something that I saw on Twitter today uh, was in terms of a metric that, in honest terms, is uh, simply not very mainstream. It's called quality of pitch. So uh, quality of pitch was a metric developed to attempt to objectively measure the quality of any pitch based on its break, velocity, location, etc. Now, in the last week of all recorded uh stats, the data for quality of pitches, Kyle Freeland came in fourth. Uh, And I think that's a very accurate representation of how he's performed and how he performed this last week. Uh, His pitches have been really honed in and effective, something that he discussed uh, post-game during one of the games, I believe it was probably this last start, uh, was that he uh, was trying to gain more distance in velocity between his fastball and his off-speed pitches. Last year, he was sitting low 90s with his fastball and upper 80s with his off-speed. Now, if you bump that down to lower 80s with his off-speed and, and gain a little bit more velocity on the fastball, which he's done, then you become more effective, which I believe he has also done. So, And I think that's reflected so far in, uh, in this metric and quality of pitch. So that's something I did want to note and something I thought uh, you might benefit from in in terms of knowing that. Uh, The last person I wanted to talk about here just in terms of uh, this week for the Rockies was Elias Diaz. So the Rockies have been playing two catchers. They've mostly been platooning Tony Walters and Drew Butera, neither of which are offensive forces. Someone who has the potential to be at least an impactful player on the offensive end is our third catcher, Elias Diaz. Now, he definitely struggles with framing, uh, which is definitely a tough skill to learn, but it may not be relevant for for much longer um, if we, or if the MLB replaces um, the current strike zone system with an automated one. Regardless, defensively, he definitely needs some work, but he does have excellent stolen base prevention. He's quick. He's a very good arm. 
So I think he, he has at least some defensive value as a catcher. But he's probably not positive at this point. Regardless of this, he uh, he has a very, very good stick. It's definitely better than either of the other catchers on this Rockies roster, um, at least in my opinion. He's a very strong player. His average exit velocity um, in a, the very, very small sample size so far for him has been uh, 99 miles an hour, which is uh, very excellent. And um, I think he, he looks very comfortable at the plate, and hopefully he can continue to be uh, productive at the plate. Because uh, in terms of, of the Rockies, they need a lot more out of the bottom of their lineup, or at least traditionally they have. I believe they've gotten um, much better with that this year, but traditionally they need more help at the bottom of their, of their lineup. Um, and a sweet swinging catcher would, would very much help in that aspect. Uh, so with these points out of the way, I just wanted to jump into the mailbag portion of the show today. I had a couple questions, uh, the first of which was asked by Hamburglar77. Uh, and he said, give me reasons why Garrett Hampson should not be an everyday player for the Colorado Rockies. Well, Garrett Hampson is the fastest player on the team. And that's saying something, considering who plays shortstop Trevor Story. He has an excellent and above-average glove at multiple positions, both on the outfield and second base. He has an, uh, at least an average weighted on base average this year. And he has an astronomical expected weighted on base average, somewhere in the 440s. So if you're looking for a reason, then the only reason to point to to sit him would probably be his strikeout percentage of 25.9%. And that's not even bad, considering that um, there are players on the team who are expected to perform much better who have higher strikeout percentages. Uh, considering this, I think he's been doing very well so far this season um, by the results, but he he's still getting unlucky, and I think he definitely has more in him. Um, he's hitting the ball very hard, uh, not catching too many breaks in terms of positioning, uh, but I think he he projects to perform significantly better, at least per expected weighted on base average. But uh, I honestly do think that he he deserves a spot in the starting lineup. Um, He can play so many positions, and he gives you so much value in so many ways um, that Hampson has probably earned a starting spot at this point, um, at least in my book. Now, the second mailbag question that I had asked today was... um, if the Rockies made a move by the 31st, the trade deadline, what position will they target, and who do you think are some realistic trade targets? So, as of right now, Wade Davis is injured, and Scott Oberg may be out for the season. I think just based off of that closer, or at least strong relief pitcher, is the biggest gap uh, the biggest hole that needs to be filled by the Rockies. Now, I really like Yancey in the closer position, and I believe the other relievers can take over and filling in the middle innings and setting him up. Um, and I would trust Yancey there as a closer, and I've discussed this before. I even discussed this um, earlier in this episode. Um, and I believe he still belongs as a closer during a legitimate playoff push like this. Uh, but I would definitely understand if the front office wanted an established 
closer and established veteran guy to come out of the pen and shut down games um, that are really close and, and do it effectively every single time. Now, the big closer names that are free agents in 2021 um, are Ken Giles, Kirby Yates, and Brad Hand. Um, I'm not sure which of these would be uh, available for the Rockies, considering the Blue Jays aren't tanking necessarily, the Padres are doing pretty well, and the Indians are are, uh, definitely competitive in their division. Now, uh, what's left, I think, uh, I think Alex Colome would be a very solid option uh, to look at in terms of trading for him. Um, his contract expires this year, and with the, the White Sox hovering around 500, they may not be competitive near the deadline. That's definitely something to revisit uh, when we look at teams who may be selling. But at this point, Colome looks like he might be available. And I think the White Sox might be able to benefit from it. They could recover some assets for a quality closer. Now, keep in mind, this is a move that the Rockies would make if they believe that they can go deep into the playoffs. Um, And with how they've played so far, I would not be shocked if their confidence level was really high. So if we're talking about Alex Colome, this season he's in the 76th percentile for whiff percentage, which is excellent and he's in the 80th percentile or above in expected ERA, expected slugging, expected weighted on base average, and hard hit percentage. So uh, he's definitely a top-notch closer, Um, one of the better closers in the game at this point in time. And I think the Rockies would definitely benefit from having him to bring out of the pen. You could uh, have Yancey set up for him. That would be very effective. Um, eight and ninth inning are essentially off limits at that point uh, with how effective both Yancey and Colome have been this year. Definitely Colome uh, would have to adjust pitching to Coors Field, but sometimes trade deadline acquisitions uh, pan out for the Rockies. Sometimes they don't. Um, I didn't think that Craig Holland was a great uh, acquisition for the Rockies, but uh, when we traded for Pat Neshek, I thought that one worked. Uh, worked very well. So it, I think it depends, and I think uh, based on the profile that Colome has, he would probably be successful at Coors Field. Now another option who may be, may be slightly cheaper because, uh, because of name value, uh, but someone who has an additional year on his contract and expires in 2022 is Brandon Kinsler from the Marlins. Now uh, this is a tricky situation considering the Marlins are the second best team in the National League right now by the record. Uh, by record, second to the Colorado Rockies. I think looking to acquire Kinsler would rely on the Marlins crashing back down to earth, which they probably have the propensity and capability to do, uh, but I am not willing to bet on that by the end of this month. Uh, but there is some skepticism I do have about Brandon Kinsler. Uh, he, while he's 91st percentile in expected slugging and expected weight on base average, he's only 3rd percentile in whiff percentage. Um, this might actually be a decent thing for uh, Rockies, uh, for the Rockies if he wanted to try and pitch at Coors Field, uh, because this indicates that he's being very effective as indicated and as uh, evidenced by the very high-ranking uh, expected slugging and expected weighted on base average. Uh, by percentile, um, as well as a very low whiff percentage. So I believe it means he's drawing a lot of contact, but he's drawing a lot of poor contact. 
Um, and I think that's reflected, especially especially in the expected weighted on base average, who, uh, which measures quality of contact. I think uh, evidence points to this. Additionally, if we're referring back to that quality of pitch metric, um, he, Brandon Kinsler, currently is 11th in the league in quality of pitch. Uh, I think someone with his profile may be, uh, it may hold some value for the Rockies as someone who can come in and effectively shut down later innings, um, but not necessarily need to blow it by guys, but who can, someone who can draw uh, weak contact and let our stellar infield uh, defense handle the rest. Now the third and final question I had tonight regarding the mailbag was uh, about Charlie Blackman. Um, I was asked, is Charlie Blackman a serious MVP contender? I was asked this on Twitter by uh, uh, Yancy Almonte Stan Ben. So considering this I think Charlie Blackman has, uh, he, he's on fire very clearly. His OPS is through the roof. His batting average is somewhere in 470. I don't like using batting average, but when it's as ridiculous as 470, you, you just have to make note of that, right? Um, he's been on fire, and he does definitely start the season like this very often. He's a very streaky player, and he usually gets hot early in the season. Um, the thing is, is that this season is shorter. It's only 60 games. If he can keep up this level of heat uh, for the next about 45 games left in the season, um, then I think he at least may make a case for himself. The problem is uh, Charlie Blackman is still a below-average defender, and there's still some Coors stigma around uh, around Charlie Blackman, and at least Rockies players in general. Um, this is, I, I believe, at least why Nolan Arenado hasn't received more MVP consideration uh, in the past. Um, all these things considered, I don't think Charlie Blackman will end up being a serious MVP candidate, but if he keeps it up, then he may make a case for himself. But regardless, I think he has um, this, the Coors Field stigma and his um, his subpar defense playing against him and definitely not in his favor that being said if we do look at the numbers um, and something that I at least like to base uh, who I think should be considered for VP off of is wins above replacement if you look at the leaders in the National League in wins above replacement you have number one Fernando Tatis Jr. at 1.4 wins above replacement per fan graphs uh, Mike Yastrzemski at number two also at 1.4 Number three is Charlie Blackman at one, essentially one full win above replacement. Um, tied with him is also Donovan Solano of the Giants and Nicholas Castellanos of the Reds, um, at least in the National League. So at this point in time, I think he, if the season ended today, he would be considered an MVP candidate. He'd probably finish as a finalist. Uh, but over the course of a 60-game season, I don't know if he's going to be able to hold this up. Um, and considering um, how I've I've talked about this before, how, how statistics like WRC plus and and park factoring that's factored into Fangraphs WAR um, is a little bit biased against Rockies, um, he he also has a little bit of a disadvantage in that area um, that that has to do and that comes with the stigma of Coors Field. Uh, but 
he has a case right now. I just don't know if he's going to have one by the end of the season, and I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, regardless, he's having an incredible season so far, and it doesn't seem like players, uh, pitchers for opposing teams can even get him out at this point in time. He's uh, he's red hot, and he is the primary offensive force for the Rockies right now, um, alongside Trevor Story, who still is having an incredible season, um, and who I was... Uh, sort of touting as a, an MVP candidate earlier in the season. Um, and maybe he picks it back up again, too. If if so, if the Rockies have two legitimate MVP candidates, uh, neither of which are Nolan Arenado, by the way, um, that's that's definitely a good thing for them, and I think that's a, a good indicator that they um, may be ready for the playoffs. Um, if you look at Fangraphs right now, the Rockies are in first place in the National League West. Um, and Fangraphs gives the Rockies a 70.4% chance of making the playoffs. 70.4 is is really good. That's that's a uh, the Dodgers are at 98% and the Padres are at 79% despite both teams having a worse records, but um, that's that's just part of the algorithm. It's not necessarily uh, bias. Uh, but um, that's that's a great uh, great sign for the Rockies. Again, I don't necessarily expect them to win the division. Uh, but crazier things have happened, such as starting out in 11 and 4 in a season where uh, people hardly expected the Rockies to win 20 ball games this year, and they're well over halfway uh, halfway to that. Uh, so, with that being said, thank you so much for tuning into the 20th and Blake Street podcast. Uh, tune in next time. Uh, like, share this this episode, this podcast. Um, and appreciate you all to uh, listen. And if you guys have any uh, any more questions, uh, just shoot them over on Twitter. Um, send them through DM. Uh, my DMs are open. Just send a tweet um, at Cade Walker NBA. Uh, so, uh, with that being said, thank you for listening. And tune in next time to Twentieth and Blake. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.